You're listening to the Biblical Manhood and Womanhood series taught by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. All right, let's get started this morning, folks. We're glad you're here this morning. Good to see each and one of you. Lord willing, this is the last Sunday school on um, biblical manhood and womanhood. We've sort of run the whole gamut there, and we're about to end now with parenting. So we're going to review from last week and hopefully finish up this morning. Again, I would encourage you to ask questions and to give some feedback. Had a great dialogue last week. Actually, a debate broke out between Dan and Greg about grandparents and their negative effects. So, and, and Greg declared himself the winner, so, which is really nice. All right, back to our handout from last week. Just a correction for you. I think we, we talked about it last week, but I did verify this. On the resources, it was Ted Tripp that wrote Shepherding the Child's Heart, and it was Paul Tripp that wrote Parenting and the 14 Principles. So just make a note of that. Good books to get a hold of. And you don't have to worry about sorting through all the other nonsense out there. There are four great books that could help you that I would encourage you to look at and to read. So we, we said it was like a fire hydrant last week. We'll continue that thought. Seven ideas we'll throw at you. We'll review the first three is where we left off at last week. And Lord willing, um, today we will finish numbers four through seven. So we said, number one, that the gospel is a classroom that teaches us everything we need to know to become effective. And we fill in the blank there, all right? is the gospel that tells us how to be effective believers, men and women of God, biblical manhood, biblical womanhood. It's the gospel that tells us how to be the right kind of spouse, right? Sacrificial service and sacrificial leadership. It's the gospel that tells us how to be the right kind of parent. We'll talk about that today. Ambassadors for Christ. It's the gospel that tells us to be the right citizen or worker or employer. So it's all about the gospel. We don't move away from the gospel. Uh, God has given us everything for life and godliness. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. So the gospel is a classroom. Number two, the heart is the basic issue. Do not become Pharisees. The external is really easy to tackle and to make look good. We've got to direct the attitude and the attention to the heart, right? When the kid grabs a toy and you just say, who had it first? We're not dealing with the heart. Right? We're trying to resolve something quickly. When the brother pushes the sister down, um, and you say, say you're sorry and mean it this time, and he doesn't, we've not touched the heart. We must go and direct our attention toward the heart. All right? The heart of the issue is an issue of the heart. Kind of a cool way to say that. I didn't make that up, but I really like it. The heart of the issue is an issue of the heart. Number three, authority is good. Authority is good. The world tells us that authority keeps us from freedom. That's not true, right? There is great freedom in authority. The truth is, if you think you have freedom and you jump out of a plane without the, the burden, cumbersome authority of a parachute, you'll have freedom for a couple minutes. And then the law of gravity takes place. And then your freedom is done, right? Because gravity will win. A, a train doesn't have freedom off the track, right? There's a law of design. And so authority is good. The law is good. Our kids need it. We need it. It exposes sin. It's a perfect guide. But it doesn't have the ability to rescue and transform the heart, right? So we talked last week about the two types of parenting. The authoritarian who says, just do what I say. Just do it. These are the rules. These are the regulations. Check off the boxes. 
No time to deal with the heart. Just do what I say so I have peace, quiet, and rest. Just not good. We walk away thinking we've accomplished something. We've accomplished nothing. We've moved away from the heart. And then the pendulum swings the other way. and We say, I was raised like this where it was this, do what I say or the hammer's coming down. There were no timeouts when we were children. The only timeout was for our parents to stop and reload. Right? There was no, I'm tired, timeout. We'll get that. This is, this is how it was. All right? So we rebel against that and we go the route of permissiveness. But we're just going to practice grace in our home, and we just want everything to go okay, and we don't rock the boat, and so we become advisors to our children. We sort of try to direct them, and they make their own decisions. So our children aren't neutral. They're bent for sin. And so we just don't give them little, this, this might help you in life. They need direction. Grace doesn't compromise authority. It just doesn't. All right? We need to understand that. And, and permissive parenting is a problem. And we do it because we're lazy or we don't want to bother with it, or we want our kids to like us. Can I tell you something? There should be portions of your life where your kids can't stand you. And when you get there, you know that you're parenting. Kudos. Good job. Right? How many times have you grown up hating your parents? I mean, it's like, I can't right, right. You go in your room and you have these conversations. Are you going to tell them off and tell them this? And then you open the door and you tell them nothing. Right? And so, listen, there should be a por- portion where your kids just don't like you. And if you're all concerned about being their friends, you're in trouble. Does friendship come? Yeah, it does come if you do it the right way. But it doesn't come when they're three years old. Right? They don't need a friend at three. They need a parent. They don't need a friend at 16. They need a parent. And so the permissive parenting doesn't work at all. And believe it or not, this is where we left off last week with permissive parenting. We said this, if we're permissive, we are helping to raise selfish, self-centered monsters that no one likes. Nobody likes them. You don't even like them. Right? You're, you're counting down the days till they leave the house and you're done with them, right? It's not right. So don't do that. Okay, number three, or number four, actually. We are to be ambassadors. Will someone read for me 2 Corinthians 5.20 this morning? 2 Corinthians 5.20. Again, don't make eye contact if you don't have your Bible because I'll call on you. Okay, Rachel, thank you. Yeah. Paul says, believer, you're an ambassador. All right? So, what does an ambassador do? If you, if you and I are ambassadors as believers, what do we do, Mr. Manning? We represent believers. Yes. Believers. We represent as believers. We represent the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our calling. This is our calling for Christians. We are ambassadors for Christ. We represent another. This is our calling for parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, and the rest. We're ambassadors. We're supposed to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, they don't belong to us. There's a difference between ambassadorship and ownership. I, I will say this often, and, and, I, and I have to think about how I say this, because I'll, I'll say about my kids, they're mine. These are my kids. And my daughter-in-law's, they're mine. Right? These are mine. And what I mean by that is they're part of our family, but the truth is they're not mine. They don't belong to me. I'm an ambassador. And my job is to represent Jesus Christ in a way that's helpful for them. And this is our calling, parents and grandparents. We'll talk about this this morning a little bit, but we are to make the invisible God visible. 
That's what an ambassador. I'm going to show you what God is like. I'm going to show you justice, mercy, love, forgiveness, kindness, authority. That's what it means to be an ambassador. And so keep that in mind as we try to raise our children, raise our grandchildren, that we are ambassadors. And listen, be, be careful. Too many parents try to find their identity in their children. It's a bad idea. We were never designed to find our identity in our children. If that's your goal, you will be miserable. Listen, your children don't come along and say, gee, I wonder what I could do today to make mom feel like she has worth and value. But they, they don't do that. The truth is, they don't care about that. And so we can't be looking for our identity in our children. And people do this all this time. Um, it's like, you probably never saw the show, but it's this Uncle Rico who was a big football player in high school, and if he only had another chance, he'd be a great football quarterback and make the NFL. And so you didn't make the team, so now your kid is going to be the all-star goalie or the all-star quarterback, and you're going to live through them. And so you rush them all over creation, right? Because it's not about them. It's about you. I, I have to, okay, here's a, here's a confession to you. Parents, be careful about Sunday sports. It's a bad deal. It's a bad deal. We get wrapped up in our kid because they're going to pay for their college and they're going to pay for me when they make the NHL. Your kid's not making the NHL. Really. Maybe one of them will. I I shouldn't say that because maybe they will and just tell them to remember. They're not. Andrew says they're not making it. Thank you, Andrew. If Andrew can't make it, they're not making it. All right? It's really hard. And so if you're living through those kids, if that's your identity... You're in trouble. What happens when they leave the home? What happens when they fail? Our identity is in Christ. It's in Jesus, right? So I'm safe and secure. So be careful of that. It's, it's insane. We see it all the time. They belong to the Lord. We are to be ambassadors, all right? And, and in this ambassadorship, it helps us to understand our inability. We don't have ability to change the hearts of our children. That's why we need the incarnation of the cross, We need the cross. We need to remember that we're ambassadors. If we don't, if we take the burden of change upon ourselves, we will start to say and do things that we should not do. Right? If you and I believe as parents that we're not ambassadors, we're owners now, we're going to make our kids what we want them to be, and it's our job to change their heart, then we're going to do things that we should not do. Our volume will get louder. Our threats will get bigger. Um, The punishment will be more severe. And that might work when they're two years old, when you're bigger than they are, but it's not working at 16 or 17 or 18 or 10 even, all right? It doesn't work that way. And we've got to be careful with that. We'll say and do things we should not do, right? Maybe you've done this. I've done this. You put the kids to bed. And they're bed at 7 o'clock, which was always a good idea because they never knew what time it was when they were younger. Oh, 7 o'clock, time for bed. And we knew they wouldn't go to sleep for about another hour, but by 10 o'clock, it's like, oh. So we pound on the steps. Don't make me come up there. If I come up there, we're going to make the evening news tonight, right? Um, we had one kid of ours who was a drama queen. And so he was nutting up, and, and, uh, and this is what we should not do. So... Went up there, and he was going to be disciplined. And here's the line he pulls on me. I'm calling CAS. Ever hear that before? So you know what I did? I got the phone. 
And I said, call CAS, but your first call ought to be an ambulance, right? And that's a bad thing to say. And that's what happens when we're so out of control that we think, i got to change this kid's heart. You can't change that kid's heart. And if we think that's our job, we're going to lose it. We're going to say and do things that we ought not do. All right? Bernie? Just, just when you get to that discussion and they want to call CAS to say, you can call CAS, but you know what? They're not going to look after you like the way mom and dad. Absolutely. And that's right. you call that bluff. Right. If you think it's better there, there's the door. Get your wagon. That's right. My mother called me on that. Right. Uh-huh. I'm running away. She says, well, pack your stuff. You're not coming home for supper. Right. You're not having lunch. Don't come here tonight. You exactly right. Because if you think it's better, right. that was it. Call the bluff. Teachable moment. Okay, great teachable moment. I think it's true. With our kid, we tried to call his bluff one time. It was one of our other boys. And we said, hey, he, had, he stole, he lied, and said, okay, you're getting in trouble now. You're, we're going to, this is, this is bad parenting. I, I listen, I'm telling this story. And so, I'm telling you. I could write books on bad parenting. I, I should. And um, so we said, hey, pack up your bag. We're, 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 going, we're going to the police office. We're, gonna, we're going to jail. We're going to, you know, this whole... It, 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 so, so he packs up his bag, puts one pair of underwear, a pair of socks, and like a granola bar. So I take him to the bank, the ATM, right? Because he doesn't know any better. David didn't know any better. And um, it was last year. Um, and so... So I walk him in there, I go to the bank and said, this is it, Dave. He said, bye. <laughs> no, I mean it, we're leaving. So I open the door and he's standing there, he's happy as can be, by the ATM. I had to go back and get him, and, and the boys were laughing in the car. It's like, that was an epic failure, epic failure. All right. Where's the kids now? The kids are sitting right back there. He's... So. Yeah, mom, mom just wanted a clean pair of underwear. She was happy. She was proud. I wasn't. Right? It is the way it goes. Listen, your kids are going to embarrass you and humble you, but we have to maintain this idea of being an ambassador. Beth? I was just going to say, and I'm so grateful that David has turned out to be such a great kid in spite of being a preacher's kid. Absolutely. Praise, Praise the Lord. Amen. It's a rough life. It is. It is. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. So, if we lose sight of the fact that we are representing Jesus Christ, and, and can I tell you something? Your kids and your grandkids are going to be irritating. They're, they're going to be maddening at times. You're going to look at them and you're going to wonder what planet they're from, right? But let me just say this, as you look at them like that, we ought to look in the mirror. The things that drive me crazy about my sons are the things I see in myself. When I'm really feeling great about my kids, usually it's because I see their mother in them. That's the truth. It's like, that's good. That's good. And they drive me crazy. It's like, that's Rick. That's Rick. That's Rick. And, And that's a moment for me to say, okay, Lord, it's not about that kid right now. It's about me. And what are you trying to tell me about my attitude and my spirit and my trust of you? So don't get away from this idea of ambassador that, that we represent, right? That, that you, and it's not like, um, Joanne has a great statement that she always used for a girl. She, she would say when they went to the school, don't forget who your father is, right? And the father was not the biological father because no. you didn't want to remember who he was, <laughs> right? He was not right and did wrong by them. But the point was, your father is the heavenly father. 
And as you leave here, you represent him. But how much more so for us as believers who say, I'm an ambassador of Christ. And so I want to show you what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and what this looks like. And again, this is not soft, mushy permissiveness. That's not what grace does. Grace costs sin, sin, but it deals with it in the right way. And if you think that you're utterly responsible or totally responsible for changing the heart of that kid, you will say things that you ought not say, and parenting will become incredibly burdensome. The load and burden will be on your shoulders. No wonder we're exhausted, overwhelmed, and discouraged. I can't change those kids' hearts. I can't. But I can be an ambassador for Christ. And I can say, okay, I see the problem, I see the heart. How would Christ want me to represent him in this moment? And listen, sometimes it's hard. right? Jude talks about snatching some of them like a burning branch and on others having compassion. We need wisdom on that. So we're ambassadors. Make sense? It would change us. It would change us as people. If When we leave this place in our homes as husbands and wives, as single adults, we would say, I'm an ambassador for Christ in this home, in my place of work, in my neighborhood, as a parent. All right? Any questions or comments on that? Next point, every child believes that they are autonomous, right? I am independent. I, I have my own rights. I have a right to live the way I want to live, right? I will do my own thing. Every child believes they're autonomous. Here's the truth of the matter. No one's autonomous. If you're autonomous, go create your own universe from nothing. Don't take the stuff that's here ready. Do it from nothing, We're not autonomous, and we don't even have control. The truth is, we're all struggling for control. We don't have any control. There are very few things in life that we actually control. And if you think you have control sometime, get a stomach flu. You've got no control. None. We're not autonomous. But your children think when they're born that they're the center of the universe They're autonomous, and they will do whatever they want to do. And we need to understand that. They come into the world like that. When it's time to go to bed or time to eat, right, and you're sitting in the high chair, and they have their mouth gripped like a vice grip that you can't even get your finger in that mouth, right? It is not because they did a study on food and realized that you're not being very, the meal's not nutritious, or it doesn't have enough calories for them. The fact is, what they're saying is, I'm not going to eat this stuff. It has nothing to do about the food. Kids will eat anything. They eat worms for Pete's sake. We were at a, a McDonald's. The kid was eating a Band-Aid. It wasn't even his. It was Dan and Tara's kids. But they weren't, it wasn't Dan. And, no, no, no. They weren't eating it. No, the kids weren't eating it. The kid that was, okay, stop, Kim. Stop it. Stop. Stop. They'll eat anything, right? They'll eat anything. This is not a, this is not a battle about a diet right now. At all. It's a battle of the will saying, you're not going to tell me what to do. Right? That's, the battle is not about green beans or chicken. Who eats that, that baby food that's chicken in a jar? That is disgusting. Don't feed your kids that. Who would eat that stuff? Smell of meat in it. That's, it's not about that, though. It's about autonomy. You're not going to tell me what to do. Hey, at bedtime... They haven't done a study on sleep deprivation and saying, I, I, I need more sleep or I don't need this much sleep. They just are telling you, I'm not going to bed. And you can't make me go to bed. Listen, it's about them thinking they're autonomous. And don't miss the point. It's not about you. 
don't don't play the um, don't you know what you're doing to mommy and try to manipulate. Stop it. Stop it. It's not about you. It's about their sinful, autonomous spirit that has to be dealt with, right? So our kids are not autonomous, and if they're not autonomous, neither are we. We're under authority as well. It's the authority of God. And, and what we should do as ambassadors with this idea of autonomy is show that authority is beautiful. We practice wisdom. We, we practice protection, um, restraint, loving, patient, kindness, all right? They come in the world like this. We need to deal with it. So if, if I don't understand I'm an ambassador and I don't get the idea that they're autonomous, again, I do things that aren't right. What happens often is that we let things go for a long time until we're finally frustrated, and then we blow up. You can't do that. If you've got kids under five right now, get with it, man. Get with it now. If you made mistakes, get with it now. Because it doesn't get easier at 10 or 12, right? And not that we can't recover, because we can. Grace can do those things. But, but too many times, parents just sort of coast on this, and then they wonder why at 13 they're having real trouble. They've done nothing, and now they're aggravated, and they're out of control now because they don't know what to do. I'm not kidding you. I, there was a lady in our church years ago who was the typical permissive parent. N- nothing. She didn't, the kids did whatever they want. And one day they're at a funeral. We're sitting in a funeral, and her boys are there, and they're in the middle of the funeral. They're screaming, and it, it was outrageous. And she was one never to talk with them, never to discipline them, never to instruct them. So they're doing this. You know what she does? She pinches the kid. She pinches him as hard as she could. You know what he did? Stop pinching me! Out loud. And everybody looked. And she was red-faced. She's out of control, right? you got to do this the right way. you got to do it the right way. Don't. Authority is not meanness. It's not... Ugly, abusive, intimidating, slapping, pinching, punching. It's none of those things. That's sinful. Brother Paul? Well, you know, I uh, think of the other day. If you, if you want to know where to start with your kids, what you, you really need to focus on, take them to somebody's house that you really respect and visit them for about you know, an hour. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll get about two or three things that you, know, that you have to focus in on because it's going to embarrass you. They're going to embarrass you in this area, that area. Yeah. Eat, with, eat with the people. Yeah. You know, so you'll have three things to work on. You know, okay, uh, this is good advice. If you don't know, go to someone's house you respect and watch your kids behave there. And as the parents push you out of the house, good night, we don't ever see you again, you'll understand there are real issues to deal with. But, but here's the deal. This brings up a great point. How often we don't even want to know. We'd rather not know. Not knowing is not helping you. It's better off to say, okay, this is an area that we need help on. We'll talk more about that, but it's a mission now. It's grace. This has been exposed. Let's deal with this. Mr. Manning? That's training of a child. Yes. That's training. Yep. Doing something that you know is going to reveal how your child's going to react to a situation. And as a parent, you have to take them to that situation maybe three or four times to get settled. And I think routine and order is saves you a lot of headaches. For the kids, you know, they know it's bedtime at seven or whatever, right. certain age. It's expected. If you let them stay up because of this and because of that, then it's always going to be an argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Right.
It's true. And, and so you need to know those things are revealed for a reason. They're good. You got to be consistent. If I, if I were to tell you one thing, I think that consistency is key. Consistency is key. I mean, no one likes inconsistency. It's confusion, actually. We don't like it, nor do our kids. Pastor Dan? I think what you said about um, us not wanting to know is absolutely true. So, so I, I don't want to say that, but one of the hardest things I have is um, there are times I want to pretend like the issues are yeah. and how unhelpful like that is. Yeah. Um, but then the other side of that is sometimes when we recognize there is an issue, then it's like the end of the world, like we ruined our kids. And so what our battle is that I'm always, I would prefer to pretend there's not an issue, and then as soon as there is an issue, Tara thinks that our kids are never, like, they're just Right, they're going, to get, they're going to be going to jail because, <laughs> right, right. And so then, right, recognizing that there's an issue, but that's okay. Absolutely. There's always going to be an issue, and, and so this is not something to deal with. Amen. And, and Dan, you know what, I, this is why... I know you, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. You know what the gospel tells me? The gospel tells me I fail every day. I fail every day. And when I fail, I don't expect, oh, I'm going to jail now. Unless it was a big fail, of course. But, but, but I believe, I believe, yeah. I believe that there's hope for me. I believe that God will forgive me. I believe there's grace for me. And, and that's why when I, listen, parents, here's another thing. If your kids turn out right, thank God for it. You didn't have as much to do as you think you did. And if they turn out bad, pray to God. But you didn't. It's not all on you, man. Listen, God had two kids in the garden in a perfect environment, in a perfect situation, and they chose to rebel. Be careful. Don't look at someone's family and say, oh, that kid, I wonder what they do in the house. Maybe sometimes parents are real stupid and they do bad things. But sometimes kids make decisions to rebel against the authority that God's placed in their life and God himself, and the kids do that. It's not a parent's... Don't be blaming your parents for everything. We make decisions. And so I think too often we're quick to say, <laughs> look what I've done with my kids. <laughs> yeah. And then we're quick to, I've destroyed my kids. Nah, you're not that good. You're not that good, and grace is bigger than that. Bernie, would you have, and we'll go to... Um, my wife did a really good job raising her kids, because I was working ship yep. work. But when I see from my grandkids, they got two-year-olds and three-year-olds that help set the table. Mom gives them the cutlery, they carry it from the counter and clean on the table. Maybe not in the right spot, but they're contributing to the family. Mm-hmm. Does that ever make them grow? And when they're done, those dirty plates go over to the dishwasher. It's not just mom's job. Amen. But kids got to be a part of the household, and they have to contribute. They do everything for them. They will not clean up their room. Absolutely. They will. They will. Absolutely. Beth, hold your thought. Can you hold it? Or no? You got to say it right now. Will you remember it? Because Bernie brings up a great point. There's a book that just came out about, I think the the, shrink, the shrinking adult in America. It was by Sass. He's a senator, and he he gave he gave this illustration. He was a he was a uh, a professor at a university out west in the states, and they gave freshman kids freshman kids in college, university, the task of decorating a Christmas tree in the gymnasium. The Christmas tree was like 15 to 20 feet tall. They worked all day. At the end of the day, they were leaving, and the tree was decorated eight feet high, and the rest was completely bare. And the kids were leaving. And the president came in and said, what are you doing? And he said, well, this is as high as we can decorate. And he said, didn't you get a ladder? Didn't you talk to the custodian? Didn't, didn't you look for help? And, and they just they left. And what he's saying is, we live in a world today where we are raising children who have no concept of work. And in America, which is a republic, right, which is supposed to raise leaders, like we are supposed to do that as a church anyways, 
to raise leaders. We have kids now who are spending the majority of their time in front of a screen, never experiencing real life, never having to work, never, never getting outside of a comfort zone. And so now we have children who socially are inept. They don't understand how to manage people, how to talk with people. They don't know their place in the home. They never work jobs. Listen, our culture is a weird culture. As a matter of fact, we don't know where we're headed for the future. It used to be our parents would grow up one job their whole life, retire, they're good. Those days are done. Our kids will not see those days. They're, they're done. And for the first time in history, our history, it's going to be like, you might have 15, 16 different jobs because the world's changing. And we're raising kids who have been on a computer or a screen for five, six hours, eight hours a day, it's a bad deal. Work is good. We were created to work. And if you're not allowing your kids to work and experience hardship like that, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble. So that was just a tangent. Sorry. Beth? Raise them on the farm and there's no problem. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. That's why some of you want to take over. Anyway, <laughs> what I was going to say was uh, the day that I realized that I was not responsible for what my children do, but only responsible for what I do about it, was a very freeing day for me. Amen. For the first few years, every time the kids did something wrong, I would think, Oh, what a terrible mother. What have I done? Right. But no, you're not responsible for what they do. They're little sinners. You're only responsible for how you handle them. That's exactly right. That's a great point. Tuck that away. That's really good. That's right. But if you don't handle them, if you're seeing and you don't handle them, you're responsible for that. Right? And again, we're going to talk more about this, but, but when they sin, it's a, it's, a, it's a mission, man. It's an opportunity for grace that's been exposed to deal with. Eric? All, all that you're, you're saying... It's really hard to do it without faith. Yes. Right. Yeah. We can't do it in our flesh. This is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we can be ambassadors for him and we can love and we can be authoritative in, in the right way. Good. Another hand went up somewhere, I thought. Steve? Yeah, but our kids are small, and, you know, sometimes you do the tantrum in the store or something like that, and the other people up in the neighborhood raise your kids that way. Right. Says, well, talk again, then your kids are dead. Oh, yeah. Everyone's an expert. <laughs> Everyone's an expert at, uh, when they have a, a one, before they have children, they're experts. Right? They'll sit in a restaurant, the young couple, you know, you've seen them 20 years old, and the kid's crying, it's like, our kids aren't going to do that. Their kids are nightmares. Right? It, it's always the same. And so, you better be careful. Just be careful. Don't be full of pride and arrogancy. All right? Good. Anything else? Good conversation. Uh, let's continue then. We got number six. We must deal with our own hearts. If we're not dealing with our own heart and confessing our own sins, we will, number one, tend to personalize what is not personal. Make it about you instead of about God. Right? Sin, when we see their sin, their failure, their weakness of our kids, it's an act of grace to deal with it. It's not a hassle. It's not an irritant. I know it feels that way. But again, God has exposed something to deal with. And it's not the end of the world, right? It's, it's a chance to deal with it. And I'm telling you something. The older I get, the more I see that the relationships I have almost always are more about my sanctification. I was dealing with a guy the other day, and I, I thought to myself, this is not even about him right now. This is about me. It's about my sweetness and my attitude and my compassion. And it's convicting. And so 
we better be examining our own hearts. Don't take it personal, but there is a sanctification process going on. Parent, it's more about you and how you're going to respond to these things, right? You know, we've all done this. We're going to plan something fun, and you kids ruined it. Ah, I'm never going to take you on vacation again. We're in the car for five minutes. Right, 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 right. Stop. Don't make it personal. The kid's nutting up. His heart has been exposed. Deal with it, right? Help us pray. God, rescue us from our self-orientation. It's not about you. What did we say? Dan said the other day, suck it up, buttercup, or something like that. Is that what they say now? Suck it up. Oh, say it up, princess. Suck it up, buttercup. Almost rhymes. Suck it up, princess. Okay. It's not about you. Number two, if we're not working our own hearts, we will turn moments of ministry into moments of anger, right? God wants you to see in the heart of that kid rebellion, sinfulness, anger, pride, self-reliance. Your kids need parents. That's why it works like this, right? God didn't give kids first and then parents. He gave parents first and then kids because they need to be parented. If we're not checking out our heart, you will have an adversarial role or your response will be adversarial. It'd be you versus them because in some way they kept you from your comfort, your quiet, your peace. It's not that. If we're not examining our hearts, we will settle for quick situation solutions that never get to the heart of the matter, right? Just end it. Get done with this. You're going to bed. Slam the door. Don't talk to me again. You've never touched the heart, all right? Check out your own heart. So those are the points there. And then finally, I think on number seven, we need grace. We need grace. God, help me. Soften my heart. Help me to replace anger with love, irritation with kindness. God, help me to parent in a way that pleases you. We need God's grace. I said it earlier, but very few of the struggles in our children, there are very few that we don't see in our own hearts and lives. We just... They're amplified. Because we don't really, we're, we're really not self-aware. You know what I mean? We live in a world where people aren't self-aware. We think everybody else has got problems. We don't have problems. People like that have the biggest problems. Because they never see it. We must be self-aware. And then we are more like our kids than unlike our kids. And so there's a chance for grace for them and a chance of grace for us. Okay? Any questions, comments on that this morning? Anything at all? Hey, thank you for participating in the long haul. This has been a longer study for manhood, womanhood, gone the whole way through. Thank you for sticking it out. Next week, you get a chance to hear from the book Hosea, a great book. And verse by verse, you're going to love it. So be in your place next week for the book of Hosea. All right? All right. God bless you. We'll see you in church.